people look a lot of places to find life, don't they? You ever notice that? They're looking everywhere to find life. And I really, uh, this is maybe, I hope by the end we can agree. Uh, I, I'm expecting that this is a, a, a teaching that is archived. I hope that you uh, maybe pay attention to this, take some notes on this, go back and watch the, um, or listen to the podcast later. Like, this is a, uh, something that is going to be so important for us as we move forward. By the way, as we get into it today, you can find the notes on the Bible app, um, or you can also go to the, um, you should be able to, I'm getting the shaking of the head that it's not there. Okay, well I did it. <laughs> it's not there. Look, look later. After the service, some, there must be a technical glitch. I'll make sure that that gets uh, handled there, taken care of. So um, anyway, well you can still follow along if you have your Bible or your iPad or your, or your uh, Bible app, you know, your phone or whatever. We'll get there. All right, so um, old-fashioned way, in fact. There's a pen and a paper. <laughs> you can write something down. So anyway, let's get on with this. People are looking for different places to find life. They buy motorcycles. It's funny that um, I'm talking about that because I just uh, was saying yesterday how much I would love to get me a motorcycle. Uh, they, they buy fast cars. They go bungee jumping. I had a conversation yesterday with, uh, or a couple days ago, I don't remember, Morgan, uh, my 13-year-old, she wants to go skydiving. And um, I said, hey, let's go. I'll go with you. And uh, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? Looking for places to find life. Uh, but then some of the more practical ways, that they're looking for vitamins. They're looking for face creams. That, you know, we're looking for ways that we can find life. Um, Cerise and I were able, once upon a time, we, uh, we went on a cruise uh, years ago to uh, the Bahamas, I guess, so, you know, in, in the Gulf Coast, or, yeah, the Gulf, and um, so one of the places we stopped had zip lines. Have you ever done a zip line? Anybody ever done zip lines? I'm not talking about the one they have at Camp Arrowhead that's, you know, six feet high and goes for 20 feet. I mean, I'm talking about like a cruise through the jungle canopy on a zip line. Uh, on some zip lines, and it was awesome. Like, we got to, they had, and it was crazy because they would have a, a metal uh, zip line, you know, going from one place, and then through the trees, you couldn't see where it ended up. And you get on the zip line, and, you, and you're going through, and you're looking at all the stuff. And um, look, I was looking for monkeys, you know, maybe one wanted to hitch a ride. I didn't know. So I did, didn't see any monkeys. But, you know, that was awesome. I got to tell you, it's one of the highlights of, of one of the things that she and I have done together. Um, but you want to talk about living. That, that was living. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like ways that we can find life, ways that we can feel alive, things that, that we can do. And, and people do everything. They're always looking for a place to find life. It's interesting that Jesus, he, he wanted to tap into this. Because the, what, the things that we feel, what we feel and know, is nothing different than has ever been. People always are looking for ways to feel alive, to, to do things, to, to be excited about things. And, and so Jesus told everybody, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He knew what they wanted. He, he would tap into it. If you read the message version, it says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So he, he talked this way, and he said, I know you guys are looking for something. I know you're looking for life. I know you want to feel alive. I came so that you can have a better life than you ever dreamed of. Jesus said he could give us that. So what does this mean? I think our first inclination, and, and the, really the way that I grew up uh, um, thinking and hearing and, and people talking to me and teaching and preaching, 
was that, when, of course, we would agree, when, when we die and we go to heaven, then we're going to have life. It has something to do with heaven, with an, an extended life after we die. That's true, but it's only partly true. You see, it's, it obviously has to do with the life that you and I have, the, the things that you and I experience today. Jesus knows what we want. He created us. He, he put the desires we have, he put those there. He knows we want to feel alive. And so he wants to, to meet us there. And it's not only what happens when we die. If you watch certain folks on, on TV, maybe they tell you that you can have it all now and you can have a, a full life now, but they're, they're talking about um, maybe wealth and prosperity and I think we all want to believe that, right? And as attractive as that sounds, that's not what Jesus means. He's not promising to dump a load of cash on you when you come to know him. That, that's not, he, he wants to bless you, but that's not exactly what he had in mind. He's promising something far better than even that. He's promising the most real, satisfying, best life you can imagine. I think the question is, how does he do that? I mean, have you ever wondered how? How is he going to give us the best life? Um, it's a, a thing now. People will post, a, and this is the, the crazy thing. Watch out for social media, you know, because people will take an Instagram picture, post it online, and you think, like, everything's going, like, the, they're living their best life. And they'll even put that, my best life, right? But, and I know from experience, it, it says nothing about the, the fight that happened with the family just before that. It doesn't talk at all about how, you know, the, the middle sister has just slapped the youngest son, and it doesn't say, you know, because we've been there. We, we're ready. We're going to take, hey, guys, let's show everybody that we're having a great time. We're going to take a picture, selfie, ready, everybody get in, and there's punching and slapping and, and talking, and, and then everybody says, smile, you're right, and it's perfect for half a second, and then back to slapping and hitting and punching and running and and that's, that's what we do. How do we live our best life? The vehicle of this new life, this great and eternal life, is the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus told his followers when he left them. This is what he said in John chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. The vehicle for your best life to live this wide open uh, type of awesome existence, that life is Holy Spirit. So today we're going to read out of Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. I'll give you a minute to, to either flip there or touch there. Romans 8, 5 to 11. I'm going to read it two different ways. I, I have to tell you, they, the, the way that the NIV says this, I really like the best. But I'm going to read it to you out of the two NIVs. Did you know there's two NIVs? Uh, NI, the NIV 84, the original, and then they updated it in, the, in 2011. Um, so it's, it's hard to find the 84 anymore. But I'm going to read it to you that way first. 
All right, here we go. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Pay attention to that. Now, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. He's going to give you life. Did you catch that? Will give you life to your mortal bodies. All right, that was 84. Let's read it in 2011 version. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And the reason I wanted to read it is because I like some of the ways that they, uh, that, that they have translated it or written it here verse 7 the mind go- oh we already read that verse 8 those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please god you however are not in the realm of the flesh but are but are in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of god lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of christ they do not belong to christ but if christ is in you then even though your body is sub- subject to death because of sin the spirit gives life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Either way, we read it. He's going to give us life. Uh, One of the things that I like about the way they interpreted this is um, it says in in verse 7, the the NIV 84, which most of us are familiar with, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It is not submitted to God's law. But the... Translation, I think it's more accurately said the way that it comes over in, uh, in the NIV 11. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Those, who, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Now, we've read it that way, the, the sinful nature. It talks about the sinful nature. One of, the, one of the things, though, going back to what the original intention was, is that when we are living according to the flesh, meaning when we're living according to the way we think, the way we feel, the way we perceive, where we go, what we want. Sinful nature, yes, is true, but it's really talking about our flesh. When, and, and here's the, to help you understand what they're trying to get at. When Adam and Eve sinned, way, way in the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, now we're born with a nature to sin, right? That's that's part of what we understand and know and we've talked about that before when adam and eve sinned after that every person born has the nature to sin and we would say in in our circle that they that is our flesh the the sinful nature the desire to sin that's our flesh that's that's who we are without god is our flesh and uh we just need to remember that because you might hear people talk about it's a kind of becomes a christian jargon life according to the flesh if we're living in the flesh many times that's what they're talking about so let's talk about the mind what is the mind 
Paul begins here talking about your mind, and today we're going to talk about the mind. Do you mind? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I can keep going. When I ask about your mind, what comes to mind? <laughs> when we think of our mind, we probably think something about our brain, right? We think of, uh, of our brain and the decisions that we make. The, we think of the part of you that, that thinks, that reasons, that understands things. When we say, what's on your mind, what are we at? we're asking, what are you thinking? What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? But your mind is so much more than that. Your mind is your outlook on things, your assumptions, your values, your desires, your, your purposes. It is what you think, how you respond. These things make up what we have also heard called your mindset. Like it, it's, it's all of you. And we use it in a lot of different ways, which I illustrated when I started talking there. It was my dad joke. We might say, I have a mind too. What does that show? That shows a determination, a purpose. Our kids don't like it whenever mom says, I have a mind to, <laughs> you know, fill that blank in. No, no, mom, mom, it's okay. We say, make up your mind. That has to do with decisions, with, with choices. And our, our mind, we all know and, and agree and understand that our mind often governs our body. It determines how you act. It determines what uh, course you take. It, it decides which way you go. Listen, nobody's body just pops out of bed and is ready to go in the morning, right? No, Nobody? I mean, we've heard it all the time. Nobody's body just, wouldn't it be awesome? Like, I'm going to let the mind rest for a while, body. Why don't you go ahead and get started? I'll catch up in a little bit after you've made your coffee. <laughs> right? Some of us uh, think that way, feel that way. Nobody's body just pops out of bed. No, it begins with a decision, a determination uh, in your mind. Your mind is a significant aspect of the immaterial you. We might also call that your soul. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Like we can't, the, the mind is, is, we're not talking about the brain. We're talking about you who you are, what you want, where you might go, what your purpose is, how you might get there. And so here's what Paul's trying to illustrate there. We find that we are being pulled by two different minds. Okay? Two different ways to go. Being pulled that way. Did you notice that when Paul's speaking, and that's why I titled this, this today, I'm sure it's going to catch people's attention forever. It sounds like Paul's talking about mind control, doesn't it? Mind control. And I think kind of he is. He describes two different kinds of minds. He describes one belonging to someone who lives according to the sinful nature, to the flesh. And then he describes one belonging to someone who lives according to the spirit, two minds, right? He says the mind controlled by the spirit, of is talking about mind control in fact he says that each of us is subject to mind control one of the things we like to think about ourselves is that we are so super independent right like we are independent nobody tells me I'm do what I want say what I want be where I want I'm an independent person 
like we like to think that. We pride ourselves in having a mind of our own. We teach our kids to have a mind of their own, right? To, to make up for yourself, to uh, what you'll do, to choose for yourself, to make the right decisions. We want them to have a mind of their own. But Paul points out that none of us truly have an independent mind because we either they're controlled by the sinful nature, by your flesh, or you are controlled by your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, I mean. What we have control of is choosing which mindset we're going to follow. That's our control. It's, it's interesting that it, it works into also being a slave to sin. And I've talked about this before. We all say, I'm no slave. You can't call me. I'm, I'm a free person. I can do what I want. Well, unless you're living in sin, then you're actually a slave to sin because you can't help but do it. And that's what, and Paul, if you read in Romans, it, he, and I, man, I was looking at that, I would love to, Romans like seven and eight, you should really get into that. But he, he, Paul says, I, I want to do what I, what I want to do, but I can't do what, what I want to do because what I want to do is not the good that I want to do. What I do is the bad that I don't want to do. Like he goes into this whole discourse of I do not do what I want to do and what I want to do, I do not do. Right? He talks about that, he, he's, and, and what he's trying to illustrate, to say is, as long as we're living controlled by our flesh, by our sinful nature, we cannot choose, we cannot help but to choose the evil. You can't help it. And then you go into chapter 8, and he says, or the end of 7 and beginning of 8, so how am I going to fix this? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we can be set free from the law of sin and death. It's awesome. Sorry, that's not even in here. Let's get back to the notes. It's, it's, it's the same concept, though. We're talking about the mind and about mind control. The, the sinful nature, the flesh, refers to your natural, your nature, who you are, left to its own devices, infected and impacted by sin. That's the sinful nature. That's the flesh. Sorry, is this, are we doing okay today? This is, a, this is like more of a teaching than a preaching. I'm trying to, to walk the balance here. If your life is dominated by or controlled by the sinful nature, then your outlook, your disposition, your values, your desires, your purpose, etc., all those things are shaped, literally controlled by the sinful nature. Who you are left to your own devices is sinful. And the result of that sin will produce nothing but death. It's just where it goes. It goes to death. Death now and death after you die. It's a, it's a big, scary, sad thing because people will say, I'm independent, I'm myself, I'm my own. I, uh, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not controlled by anybody. In fact, they're controlled by their sinful nature and, and it leads to death. And there's nothing you can do about it to your own device because, and Paul says later, you cannot do enough good. If you follow the law perfectly, you're still gonna mess up. Like you cannot do it. Read Galatians. It's only by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, and, and you allow Holy Spirit to move in you, to take over. It's 
speaking of Romans 8, 7 and 8 tells us why. The, the, the Romans 8, 7 and 8, you guys maybe even know that. The sinful mind, the mind dominated by the sinful nature, is hostile to God. It resists doing things God's way. Hostile. Doesn't want it. Stay out of my mind. Preferring our own way. <coughs> by definition, it does not follow or obey God. Thus, it cannot please God. And that leads to death. The other kind of mind control is your mind dominated or controlled by the Spirit. This person seeks to live for God. The Spirit-controlled mind results in life and peace. Now, don't misunderstand me when I say the Spirit controls your mind. I mean, it's not that you turn your brain off and you cease becoming who you are. You turn your brain on to, to God. You turn your brain on to the Holy Spirit. You, you turn your brain on to your mind to who He is. You partner with Him and you begin to seek Him in every area of your life. You see, eternal life begins right now. This is what Jesus came to to speak and we talk about the kingdom of God and um, it's, it's something that is so foundational to who we are as Christ followers that I think we've, we miss it a lot of times I think the church in some ways has missed the boat because we, we kind of and we talked about this and we will talk about that again in fact I will I'm going to redo that whole series next year probably about the kingdom of God because it is the foundation of who we are as Christ followers every time Jesus talked about the gospel which means good news we, when we say gospel I will tell people that's the good news of Jesus Christ right the gospel Jesus for him the gospel was the good news of the kingdom of God Check me in this. Read the scripture. Read all, the, all of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every time he says, let me tell you the good news is going to be followed by the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you the good news about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you the good news about the kingdom of heaven. For him, that was his gospel. It's, it's the foundation. Sorry, I lost my place here because I'm like, I, I, I just want us to understand that um, the, the type of mind control that we're talking about is, is not that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to make decisions for us. He's going to counsel us. That's what Jesus called him, a counselor. He's going to teach us. He's going to show us how to make the right decisions. And that, that eternal life, the kingdom that we're talking about, begins now. We begin to live there now. We begin to act like now. Our, our outlook, our perspective, our decisions all are influenced by just like we're living in the kingdom. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let what happens up there happen down here. Eternal life begins now. It's not just living after you die. That's pretty good. I'm excited about that. That's going to be great. No more sickness, no more death. It's going to be a good time. But it begins now because of our rich and full life that we can have, a life full of peace. A Christian's mind is, is controlled by the Spirit. Paul says, 
if you are a Christian, if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. You're no longer controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. There's no such thing as someone who belongs to Christ, but does not have the Spirit of God in them. So let me ask you this question this morning. Who is in control of your life? And the way you can answer that is this. Is your mind characterized by life and peace? Our life doesn't always get peace. You understand that? We live in a sinful world, and sometimes life is chaos. And, and people in the world create chaos. Just look, look at the coronavirus scare right now. It's all anybody can talk about. But more people have died by the flu that have caught the coronavirus. Like, everybody, they're, they're, just, they're just looking for a thing to create chaos, to create problems to create issues and and so we're living in the world and so the life around us will be chaos but what is your mind is your mind characterized by peace your decisions your outlooks your choices your purpose characterized by life and peace or hostility and rebellion A lot of us never take seriously this business of living by the Spirit. He is in us, but we don't let Him control us. We let our sinful nature have control. And if we are living according to the sinful nature, the results are disappointing at best and disastrous at worst. Living by the Spirit in accordance with the Spirit is a daily process of humbling ourselves before God, of of learning to hear and obey his leading. That's what it looks like. We're, we, we hear what he's saying. We, we learn to listen to him. We can hear his voice. And he leads us into the path of righteousness. And, and then every part of our life is characterized by peace. I gotta hurry this up. Here's the next thing. We have life through righteousness. The kingdom of God in verse 10, uh, Paul explains how our spirit is made alive. We were just talking about kingdom of God. It might be translated like this if you read verse 10. But if Christ lives in you, the spirit will cause you to live. You will do this even though your bodies are going to die because of sin. And Christ does this because you have been put right with God. That's my translation. If Christ lives in you, the spirit will cause you to live. This is where it gets exciting for Christians that are pursuing righteousness because someone who has the mind of Christ, someone who has been put right with God is going to have a, a life of peace and it's, it's the best thing that we can have. If Christ is in you, if the Spirit is in you, your body's going to die, okay? It's just, unless Jesus comes back first, our body will die. And I think we've, and that's another thing that, that we've missed in in Jesus' time, the way they understood death was different, and, and we might get into talking about this at some point, but um, for them, they thought of death not as the end of something, but it was almost like, if you can imagine a veil, and on this side is life, and on that side is God, the, the way they thought about it was you are stepping through a veil into something else. That was the way they understood it, and so this body, this body will die, but we, we continue. 
And for them, death wasn't really that scary of a thing, not like it is for us. For us, we've kind of had this mindset that it's the end. It's not the end. Your body may die, but your spirit is alive. This is the result of righteousness. This is the result of the effect of Christ by the Holy Spirit. His perfect righteousness being placed in you. You see, Jesus was spirit-sourced, right? That means everything, he was fully human, but sourced by the Spirit. So everything he did, every decision he made was spirit-sourced. So the life that he lived is available to us by the same Spirit. I don't know if that makes you guys excited, but the Spirit that lived in Jesus is the same Spirit that can live in us. If we'll ask him. Your spirit is the part of you that can communicate with God. It it is the part of you that is most connected with God. It's the part of you that has to come alive before you can have a relationship with God. Your spirit is literally dead until you come to faith in Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings your spirit to life. He partners with you and your spirit's like, oh man, I've been waiting on this. I can become fully alive now. And then we begin the work of having the image of Christ that we were made in, that image restored in us by the work of the Holy Spirit causing our spirit to be alive. Is the big twisted puzzle beginning to make sense now? It's like one of the most awesome things in the world. It shouldn't be so complicated and uh, it really isn't a, a super difficult thing. The difficult thing for us is we want what we want. And so at times we're choosing our own way, our own desires, our flesh influence us. This is where the fruits of the Spirit come alive in us. You know the fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to test yourself, or am I filled with the Spirit? Am I producing these fruits? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Are these the fruits that I'm producing? Here's the last one. The kingdom of God, now and forever. <laughs> a mind that is alive and a spirit that is alive. It's pretty good, don't you think? I feel like a, a uh, TV salesman, you know, the guy. But wait, there's more. It's not over. There's more that you can have. One more component that God brings our spirit to life. And if you look in verse 11, it's not just your mind and your spirit that come alive through God's spirit. He also gives life to your body, your physical body. Paul tells us that if the spirit dwells in us, we can be assured that the resurrection of our bodies will happen. If he's living in us, even though our bodies will die, at some point when Jesus comes back, calls us home, that spirit that was living in us is going to raise us and we'll have a physical body resurrection and it'll be a perfect body created the way that God intended people to be. Adam and Eve were created to live with him forever. 
This is one of the cool things about heaven, and I, I think something we need to really try to grasp and understand. Heaven is not some far-off place where they give you a harp, and you sit on a cloud, and you play that forever. If you thought that was heaven, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> That's not it. It also is not your own mansion on 40 acres, right? And you don't have to see anybody, and you can sit out in the back and fish at your pond. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of fishing. There's going to be plenty of ponds. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The kingdom of heaven is going to be, and if you read Revelations, what does he say? And behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and a new Jerusalem descended onto the old Jerusalem. Jesus is going to remake everything perfectly. We will spend an eternity with God in a resurrected body, at least for a time. That's, that's what we read of in Revelation. And here's the thing about that. People think, I get to go to heaven, and I get to, to live the way I want and do what I want, and it's going to be awesome and exciting. But my question is always this. If you don't like Jesus now, then you're not going to like heaven. <laughs> because it's going to be all Jesus all the time. Right? Like we have to continue, like we have to fall, we fall in love with Jesus now. That relationship that we build carries over into our eternity with him. So heaven is not, not only is it not void of Jesus, it is only Jesus. Holy Spirit, God, it's, that's all it is. And us worshiping him and having a relationship the way he intended it to begin with. Oh, man, that's going to be the day. Can you imagine? Getting to be with Jesus. Getting to see our family and our friends who went before us. Be personally introduced to God. That one scares me a little bit. Again, have you read, have you read Revelation? <laughs> and behold, there before me was... A throne and seated on the throne was God and surrounding him was a glass a, a sea of glass clear as crystal and lightning and thunder and other thrones and they all faced and God and and people you know beings flying around saying holy 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 like we're going to be in his presence and it'll be a holy time that's heaven I get excited about that. But here's, here's the kicker. Let me say this. I heard a preacher say, say once in talking about if somebody died and, and went to heaven if, and if they could come back, I imagine one thing they would say to all of us is this. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. But I, I want to take that one thing further. If I could say one thing to you today about a life lived in the Spirit, a mind controlled by the Spirit, what that life looks like. If I could just say one thing today, I would say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because it's the difference between life and death 
On one side is the, is, is the flesh, a mind controlled by the flesh, and that's the thing. And you guys understand, this is where addiction comes from. We get so wound up by what we want and what we need and the desires that we have that we become controlled by those things. You understand what I'm saying? So yes, we have a free will, but we have a will to choose one way or the other. So today, we're going to close here, and um, Jim is going to come up and play for us a little bit, but I guess the way I want to end is this way. I want to ask this question. Will you take that step today? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to make you alive? And I don't know where you're at today, and, and many of you probably are here, and you're, you're thinking, like, preach it. You know, I'm preaching the choir. I've done this. This is awesome. Man, my life is alive. The Holy Spirit is in me, and I'm choosing him. That's awesome. But if you're thinking, man, I just, like, I feel like I'm just being controlled by the, the flesh, by the sinful nature. Man, I'm having a struggle. Here's the struggle. When we get saved... We confess our sins to Jesus. We believe he's the son of God. Like we're, essentially, we have our ticket punch. Like that's it. But we find that we still have, and, and the Holy Spirit comes to, to be with us. It lives in us. But we find that because we're still controlling things ourselves, that we struggle. And it's a constant struggle. And it's, it's annoying, man. And one day we say, you know what, God, man, this, I don't want this. I want to give control up. I want for you to have control. I want to give everything to you. All of my desires, my flesh, I want you to have it. And then that's when the magic happens. He partners with you. And he helps you with all of your decisions. And he controls your mind if you let him. So this morning, would you stand with me? We're going to close in a prayer, and I'm not going to take a long time on this. But if you're thinking, you know what? Man, I just, I just need to spend a little time praying. And you may say it has nothing to do with what you talked about today. I just need to pray. <laughs> That's fine, too. Man, altars always are open. Um, we never say they're closed. And I don't mean ever for it to be an intentional, now we're going to open them. But if you ever feel like you just want to come pray, and I would invite you now, just come and kneel while we have our closing prayer. Make a decision to give all of you to him. I want to live my life according to the Spirit. this is one of the most amazing things that we can do in our walk with Christ. And it's awesome. And it's so freeing to be set free from the law of sin and death. Let's spend a moment praying. If you would like to just pray where you're at, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. God, you know, this morning we are not exactly sure how you're moving in the church. I'm not. I mean, I know, Holy Spirit, that you want to break through. 
I know that you want your glory to be revealed in this place. And, and I believe that's the journey that we're on. And I, I, as, as we've talked and as I've seen things, I believe that's what you want to do for us. But it starts with what you'll do in us. So this morning we're just asking, would you help us live a life according to the Spirit? We give all of ourselves to you. We want only what you want. Would you draw close to us? Begin to move in us. Begin to teach us and show us. You know, we love you today, God. So thankful for what you do in us. So grateful for all that you do for us. Now I ask that you would fill us. I know that it was not, I mean, years ago now, but still from time to time I have to stop and say, God, forgive me. Remove that desire from me. I don't want that flesh. I don't want that sinful nature. Take it away. And in our church, we call that being sanctified. Some might know it as a second work of grace or being filled with the Spirit. I think the name isn't as important as the act. So today, God, we just empty ourselves of all except for you and ask you to take over. We give you control of our mind. I love how Paul says it. Listen, if you're not going to allow Holy Spirit to control your mind, then you are allowing sin to control your mind. I thank you that we've been set free from sin. Help us to live according to grace. Be with all of us, I pray. Thank you so much for a church that believes in you, for a church that wants to see you move in our lives, for a church that wants to see growth happen. I pray, God, that you would just bless each person that's here this morning, that you would fill each one with your spirit, and that you would do a mighty work in this church because you started doing a mighty work in my life, in each one of our lives. Because we are the ecclesia, the gathering of people that belong to you. And if the church would do great things, it's because you're doing great things in each of us. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Move in our lives. Work in us, I pray. And now as we go our own ways, keep us safe. Help us to recover from uh, the lack of sleep last night. And give us a, a great week this next week, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen.